Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 257. Today is Sunday the 19th of November 2017 and this interview is with Julian Hay. Julian is the founder and CEO of iMedia Group, which covers iMedia, iMedia Sport, as well as some other interesting initiatives including the Wonder Academy and Wonderlust. Julian has embedded in everything he does his why. It's a purpose-led organization helping companies to create experiences that transcend marketing solutions. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to quick. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue. Today, someone I have been introduced to through the Grand Magoo, a wonderful friend of ours in common. So Julian Hay, you are the founder and CEO of iMedia and also iMedia Sports. You've got a, a, a number of wonderful activities that absolutely attracted to me and Magoo is absolutely right to make us meet. And so we're going to get in to find out about you, Julian Hay. So in your own words, who are you, Julian? And what's your mindset? Uh, well... My name's Julian Hay. Nice to see you again, Minter. Um, my mindset is uh, to try and keep a sense of wonder about the world, which is quite difficult in this day and age when you're sitting like a battery chicken in an office full of rows of computers. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about my anti-tech stance, uh, considering that we're, we're on mindset. Um, so th- it's all about sort of keeping inspired, Keep learning and trying to create action, go, do things, get off your backside and experience the so world. Your background, of course, you studied history at university and then you go into the marketing world and agency world and you create your company. And as you write on your website, the purpose of your company is to create truly meaningful experiences. And, and I assume that comes out of a learning you didn't, maybe didn't start that way. And, and let, talk us about the, the transition of how you got into this idea of meaningfulness and in, in events. Well, it comes from... I've been very fortunate to work um, with an amazing organization called Dentsu, which is a international advertising conglomerate. Um, and I've been through some of their agencies, whether they're um, advertising, PR, media, and came out the other end with my own business. But... Uh, on the good side of working with agencies like that, big brands. So you work with amazing brands who spend um, good money and it gives you the opportunity to do great experiences. But on that pathway, I think sometimes you lose the connection or sometimes they lose the connection between creating the experience for the people within the organization and the customer. Why do they do it? What are they trying to pass on what brand values, what experiences? And over a number of years, I felt that I was losing some of the connection of why on earth are we doing this? It's like, you know, we have the amazing opportunity to create some wonderful experiences. They need to be deep and meaningful or otherwise, for me, what is the point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rather extraordinary, Julian, that companies are spending all these top dollars and, and, and aren't somehow clued in on the fact that these are important moments. These are a bunch of usually employees maybe or maybe customers who are getting out of their seats, 
jumping on an airplane or at least driving to the event. So therefore taking away time from their desk and emails that they're not doing, maybe taking away time from their families. And yet, somehow, the people organizing these events lose, lose traction with what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether this is right, but this how it seems to me. If you look on a marketing budget plan, uh, sometimes my category area, which would be sponsorships or events, are right at the bottom, and they are probably in the bottom 5% of the total spend. And this means that sometimes the it gets forgotten about, unless you're working with a great organization like you used to work for, where you understand that it needs to be right front and center. Um, if you do understand and it's appreciated, then I think it's given much more uh, prominence of the importance of what you can do within that moment in time. Because trying to do live event, live event experience is a difficult thing. And if you get it right, the upside is huge. If you get it wrong, then it can also have a big negative connotation. So it's a, it can be a risk game and people sometimes don't like, like to take the risk. Makes total sense, Julian. One of the things that just got my gander when you are a large organization people are going to come to you regularly thinking of course you have lots of dollars it's only five percent of your marketing budget they say oh can you sponsor this event it would be great if your name brand sponsored my event and i so what's what's in it for me oh well we get to put your name up on a on a banner behind everybody who's speaking and we'll say well thank you four times how do you think sponsorship should be sold these days mm. That is a really good question. And, and one of the main reasons why, um, so the business that I have is called iMedia. And it is really about live, producing live events. Um, but where we're trying to shift is creating meaningful event experiences. And it sounds a bit of a soundbite. Um, but it comes from losing the love and passion of the sponsorship industry, where a lot of our work came from. Um, because it's become over-commercialized. Uh, it, it, it's really a media spend nowadays, yeah. where it just is added to a load of oh, other I media was. spend. Yeah. Um, so so for, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it needs a real deeper connectivity between the, the purpose of the business, the meaning of the business, what it's trying to do, the values and the behaviors. And if you c- can connect those with the sponsorship or the partnership, you know, with the event, then I think you've got something a lot deeper. It doesn't happen that much, if I'm honest. And I think we've made a bit more of a shift to creating content versus just sort of badge. Yeah, so making great content <clears throat> can be one way through it, but it's a little bit different than the experience. So let's start with another, let's say, maybe a definition side, because it's something, a topic that I love, which is meaningfulness. For you, as you look at meaningful events and experiences, what exa- how do you define meaningfulness? So back in 2010, when we won one of our big accounts and we were having the most successful year, I'm, I'm going to answer this in a really roundabout way. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, I got to the point which was, okay, uh, now what? I have sort of don't feel that this is where I thought the business should be going. This is great. but um, And I started looking into what the meaning of my own life and business and I started looking into and in the states there was loads of stuff about happiness fulfillment which is where I was going you know I'm doing these amazing things in business it seems to be um, and I'm not feeling it myself so I really wanted to get under the skin of it 
And um, we launched this, which I maybe come on to later, something called um, the Wonderlust Project, which we um, underpin it by looking at seven habits of happiness, fulfillment, and success. And it's the deep emotional connection, psychologically speaking, years from, you know, um, looking at 2,000 years back on um, psychology and the movements in the East and West. And it's really 10, 15 years young now. Do you know Professor Martin Seligman and sure. the, the movement in the States and PERMA and all these things? Well, we, we base it on sort seven habits. And if we can design an experience around these seven basic habits, then we are more likely to design an experience that is more likely to give people that feeling of peak experience or, or meaning. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, usually a, uh, an event has certain objectives. And they come to you and say, well, listen, we need to do this event. Uh, we've got a budget of X. Um, we need the date. And then, you know, my objective is to tell them about uh, next year's product launches and make them excited you know these are like the typical type of objectives how do you then do you insert meaningfulness into these elements because you're always got to keep an eye on the objective and the prescriptor do they come to you saying i want to make a meaningful event um not as often as we would like uh is often based on bottom line but if we are able to uh push the importance of relationships connection and deep emotional connection so i mean if they, if they are more likely to create that deep emotional connection then the likelihood of them being able those people are going to go away and sample purchase and endorse the product but i think it's where it becomes um, box ticking okay we'll add this bit of emotional connection because we think it should be or they really do it and it becomes ingrained then i think that's where we might um if we're in a good space at that particular time, say if this is the way we believe we're going to create a difference for your people, if we if you don't go down that path, then maybe we're not the right agency for you. And as we've gone more down this path, and I think this becomes more like a a, a relationship or a dating thing between us, hopefully, and potential clients. Yeah, it's, it, so what you're saying at some level is that it it will happen in the brief stage where you're or at least you're replying to a, a bid. And, and so you haven't won the contract. And it's at that point you insert meaningfulness, even though it might risk saying to them, what the hell are you talking about? Well, me, so we look at meaning. Meaning is probably we look at it as one of the, the seven habits that we talk about or creating meaning. It can often be the leader um, because it connects a business which is trying to you know lead with purpose and meaning. And it's the natural. So, um, that leads into the values and the behaviors. And then as we deal in experiences, it creates a co- co- connectivity. Um, but it, w- I hope so now that um, we're getting further down that line. I think a few years ago, we would probably take business that generates income. Right. And hopefully now we are more likely to find the right fit, which believe in the same things as we do. Yeah, at some level, it, there's that sort of chasm where you you know you just got to make the business, you got to be pragmatic. Yeah. But at some level, I, I I've been finding more and more, if you can be what you want to be, and, and you're not afraid to do that at the risk of losing your business, that sort of taking a chance has to stand out because everybody else does wants to toe the line and is risk averse. Yeah, and I mean you've got to be honest with yourself. You know, in three years after I set up my business originally, I had a a very difficult period where um, I went from young upstart, you know, entrepreneur making a decent amount of money, 
getting a bit cocky, turning away business because we wanted to create fresh new content and having a massive nosedive, mm. um, having to remortgage my f- flat on the back of it um, and probably getting pretty close to a nervous breakdown. Mm. And But it, that moment was a very important moment for me. You know, for the next five years, we built up the business again, but I held on to that mm-hmm. and the feelings and what happened subsequent to that. Mm-hmm. And that was all about understanding about those feelings and the meaning of why I was doing it in the first place. Mm. And meaning has been the most important bit. It's just uh, sometimes it dips and lo- you right. lose it, right. don't you? It's amazing. I, I, a number of people, because this is, of course, a great topic for me, and I, I speak to people, and it seems like so often there has been a, a valley, a trough, yeah. which has opened one's eyes to actually it's not just about this other thing and then it becomes a not a necessarily defining moment but something that then allows you to open up into you're like you open your chakras into this new thing it's not just about making money i gotta i have to have a purpose yeah and some of my friends say are you all right you're going through a midlife and and like yeah, I think we had a conversation before. So yeah, maybe a little bit. And no, I think it's I was lucky enough to have that moment early on in my career, my beginning of my thirties. Um, if I hadn't, then maybe I would be chasing the wrong thing. Now I know I'm chasing the the right thing, and it gives you real guidance on what you take on and what you don't take on. And um, and also, you know, looking into the research that we've done, it's what I found interesting. I didn't believe it at the time, but you know, in the search for meaning, fulfillment, happiness that you need to look at the difficult things, whether it be death, you know, in the face every now and again to realize how lucky you are. And so you can then see the people that have gone through some really tough life experience. You can see why they've come out the other side and it sort of led to a whole different evaluation and direction for their work. Well, so at one level I'm thinking for anyone who's been lucky all their lives and just had a plane sailing are they not? Is that just not about to come around the corner? They're going to get smacked up into something, and and, and is there a way for us to understand this without having to go through the yeah. trough? I mean, that's a really, really good question because I've been very, very lucky, and I haven't had anything that's been major compared to many other people. There's a there's this book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, by Viktor E. Frankl, mm-hmm. um, which is a for me, the most important book that I've ever read, I'm on about my fifth read at the moment. I've always got it on the go. I'll put it in the show notes, make sure everyone goes down and downloads it. Um, but it is an amazing, but it's, it connects with what we're talking to today about meaning. But I think, if anything, this book would be a great way to um, delve into this area without having to go through um, a pain and loss of significance, but also could be really, really helpful. I think you need to have your empathy hat on as you read it. So, Julian, the business of events uh, and creating experiences is, generally speaking, in real life. And the problem I see as you know, trying to do a lot of events is getting bums in seats. People are busy, and people are connected, and... Ha- how do you find the proposition of selling events and experiences to businesses where everybody knows it's expensive to travel, we have to have hotel rooms and, and rent out auditoriums and all these other expenses? Why don't we just have them connected in via Skype? Sometimes that might be the best way. Um, I don't have all the answers. I have to say that you know I've listened to your podcasts not all 200 and however many you got um but there are a lot brighter and cleverer people that you've spoken to 
Um, I, do, I really don't have all the answers. Well, I'm basically on this journey myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my outlet happens to be producing experiences. I, I thought I would be a film producer. I'm now a live event producer. I think that uh, they're both hard jobs uh, in different ways. I, I think it starts with the connection with how we see the way to make that meaningful connection and the brand. And if they are able to open themselves up, it doesn't have to be a huge number of people mm-hmm. to have a significance for the company. It could be a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Or it could, be, it could be tens of thousands of people if it's the customers or prospects. Um, I don't think I've answered that particularly well, but I don't think there is any, any one answer. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's as much to do with understanding the connection with meaning and fulfillment and understanding and appreciating those habits and then embedding those within a framework of building a design experience and a customer journey and if people believe that and get that um, then I think we're on the same page and they'll be prepared to put 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 some investment in yeah I mean because at the end of the day you have to you have to afford it and you know as we were discussing before we went on air was this notion of of making events so amazing that people will <coughs> want to come back. It was such a great use of my time. And, and, and yet we have to figure out what is my return on investment. So it's not only having your purpose, being aligned on that matter. It's not only knowing about what your objectives are, but somehow it's about making it so much better than what you could do in a digital or an email and, and, and being obsessed with this notion that people will absolutely must want to return otherwise why are they spending their time even if they're just an employee in your company they it's their time yeah and and i I had just an anecdote ceo of a company i worked with one time i asked them if he would like to make a video of introduction to the teams that i was going to be speaking to around the world and he said, well, what do you mean? What, what should I do? And I said, well, you know, you should make a heartfelt thanks to them. Well, why should I say thanks to them? Well, because they're taking time. No, 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 sir. It's for them to thank me. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, we can adjust our mindsets here. Um, so, in, Julian, you've also at, at, um, at iMedia, you've been doing these wonderlust and your one what is it the um, the wonder the wonder say the wonder project it wonder sums up the wonder project things, yeah. yeah so you've got your wonderlust which um, is something you started on presumably for yourself talk us through what is wonderlust is inspiration knowledge and action yeah so if you recall a little while back i was talking about when we went through this sort of uh, change in 2010 11 where we were sort of reevaluating what on earth we're doing and you know there's a really interesting simon sinich you know the why how what oh yeah and he starts off by saying everybody knows the what but no we hadn't a clue what we were doing maybe the only company in the world that didn't but um, we were really trying no, to don't worry you were not the only one there's well, he's I, into a few. well there's there are i would say the vast majority <clears throat> do not so so the the Wonder Project was um, has sort of come out of that which is you know I mentioned right at the top of the piece which was um, having a sense of wonder about the world and um, experiencing it and this so we delved in the Wonderlust Project delved into understanding about the seven habits to live a happy fulfilled life and we push out content every day based around inspiration knowledge and action which I mentioned earlier which is how to inspire yourself daily how to create more knowledge and then how do you go about acting on it 
And then we've done a bit of a more deep dive about, uh, we created this thing called the Wonder Academy, which is a public-facing um, learning and development, really, which is uh, trying to get in great speakers. Minter will get in you later oh, next you. year. And uh, get him to talk and open up that knowledge and hopefully we'll um, do some links with academic research. And there's a guy that I've been trying to... If anyone knows Dr. Jonathan Haidt in uh, the States who wrote uh, The Happiness Hypothesis, he wrote this amazing book it was a new york times bestseller and in it he talks about transcendence and elevation there's this bit in it um which is how you know elevation which is the oxytocin kick which pushes you up so when you have that moment of real inspiration um and for everyone it's all different it could be that moment in a sports team or out in nature or a something very upsetting on oprah it could be anything and suddenly your oxytocin kick and you fly up and you think i want to change the world and uh, at that moment, you are going to go and change the world. But sort of a few hours later, the oxytocin has dropped off. And so our real interest is what is it that pushes people up there? Because then you become more energized, creative, energetic. Um, and then how do you sustain it? Which is where this seven habits mm. c- come in. And really what this whole wonder element is. How do you find this inspiration? And then how do you sustain it? And we think it's this habit loot of inspire knowledge and act and the act bit is often the difficult bit which is like you listen to a podcast or you go to a talk and you hear this great theory and then what yeah i was really great yeah and then and i've done that so many times which is like i have no i've got so many paper and inboxes how do i actually go and action that yeah what we're talking about in the end of the day is change management and and moving from what you're used to doing where you fall back into your habits and moving into a, another set of activities and habits that are different from what yeah. you're used to because it's so easy to just sort of fall back. And, and that goes back to what do we do? I don't think we are an event service business. Mm. Um, I, I think we are a lifestyle business or a ha- habit change sounds so marketing gobbledygook. I'm a very simple person, so I like a, a nice simple... You know, it's like we create life experiences but that sounds very so we are still searching again if anyone knows what we do please contact Minta or Minta you come in and tell us what we do but I think it's it's to feel much more um, real than that and that's what we want to do it's about real experiences about real life situations you know I don't want to be in a position um, and this is what we want to pass on is when it's too late for so many people that they don't experience those things that are really important. And if we can bring some of those elements that are really important to people's lives, mm. then they can add a lot of value, the here and now, not when they're on their deathbed, as we were talking, you know, talking only when it's all too late. When you're faced with a customer, to what extent is the success of an event or an experience going to be related to the CEO or the, the senior person's opening up to the whole notion in other words if they are just going to ride you for too much expense uh you're not on message uh and if is is it really quite vital for them to also get it um i so probably i used to think it was but um i realized that we can still do a great job with you know we don't have to be dealing with the ceo all the time you know it might be an event manager event director a sponsor director Mm -hmm marketing director they have their own issues internally that they have to deal with they don't want to know sometimes about all this they've got much bigger um, local problems so if we can make we design around their situation Mm -hmm. if we can help them to have 
just say a happier, easier relationship. They're customers. If we, but we work through th- thinking customer first, and we're going to give them a, an amazing experience. And the feedback is going to be top notch. To back to the, right. uh, then I think that is a, that becomes a win. So I think in our in our mini ecosystem within that, we don't have to be changing the world all the time. Probably quite a exhausting place to be actually Um, but uh, I think we can live and we're learning to work out uh, you know cogs within cogs how we can operate in this way Um, if if there is no way for us to operate this way and we're completely our our wings are clipped completely then I just don't think we are we have the right relationship but with pretty much all the relationships we have now I think we find that way Mm, that's beautiful so with the Wonderlust site that you put up all this great content which is obviously on message there's obviously no monetization otherwise, other than the newsletter and you get the email. Yeah. How did you, as the head of all this, justify the time that's spent on giving away free content? Um, it's a really good question. Um, I sat myself in a room and we had a really good chat. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've got some really good mentors now um, and we have the same discussion. And sometimes I think the the more important thing has to, this is for me, I think we're creating a message. I want to be able to talk directly to customers. I don't always feel we can get the the communication and the feedback if we're having to go through the brand relationships. Yeah. So by doing that, um, some of it's just not going to make money. Some loses money, but we are able to have a start to have a dialogue. Um, directly, and that creates a lot of feedback. And by then, we're learning all the time. That learning we can then bring back to our clients, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully, the client work will bring back to our directly to the customers. So, um, if you were my bank manager and you said justify, I would say I can't right now. Um, but it's lucky that I'm a found owner. Mm-hmm. I think we need always to have the founder owner thought within <laughs> us. All right, Julian. Just to, to close off, um, you have a history background. Uh, that's how you studied that anyway and you got into this business I was wondering what kind of advice you have because you uh, you profess to be a Luddite but surely um, you're aware of everything that's going around what kind of advice do you have to kids who are looking to get a job in the business these days should, the, should history be encouraged or should they be focused on data and coding uh, from my perspective please carry on focusing on history um, I, one, where I went to university, there was plenty of ample time to do other things um, when we're studying, uh, which was great. But I think what it gave, probably what I'm still used now is the ability to research, analyze, um, present, try and synopsize, is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) so I think that that was really helpful, especially when it came from going to university to then having the uh, the, the meetings initially. When And what I would recommend, I still do recommend, is that what was brilliant from going to history to then going to the interview process is just getting all the information, whether it's campaign magazine, marketing week, marketing, um, being able to be on top of the information to, to then present it and know it in a really... Um, short succinct way so when it comes to you're on top of the uh, the, the latest uh, information and data and i think that sort of history taught me how to get an awful lot of information and uh, boil it down into a small 
but in this case, a rather large nutshell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lovely. Right, Julian, so um, I know that you are not the type of person to ever do a shameless plug, but uh, should you wish for people to come find out more about you uh, and iMedia, what's the best way? Um, iMediaGroup.co.uk. And if you want sort of free um, daily tips on how to live a fulfilled life, go to Wonderlust, which is W-O-N-D-R-L-U-S-T dot com. Um, and you can just sign up and you'll get three posts on inspiration, knowledge and action on the seven habits every day. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Julian. I'm looking forward to maybe joining your event soon. Thanks, Minter. Been brilliant. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and my other blog posts on branding and digital on Mindset.com. That's Mindset with a Y, of course, where you can also sign up for my biweekly newsletter at Mindset.com forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, go ahead and click the handy Facebook like button or share it out by your favorite media. In the meantime, come catch me on Twitter at mdial or listen up for the next show. Now enjoy Josh Sachs's Finger Paint. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray. You mentioned in your lack of self-security Oh, I wouldn't care about the art form As long as you would feel warm Wrapped in canvas, hold me tightly Slowly we would paint a lover's portrait With all your favorite shades
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.